Welcome back to the Old Soul, New Soul podcast with Robert Glasscock. Or if this is your first time with us, thank you for stopping by. We hope you like what you hear. Robert Glasscock is an astrologer who has been practicing for over 57 years, some 50,000 plus readings to his credit. The man knows his stuff and he knows how to communicate it well. Now, if you were looking at your chart and you were thinking, what is one of the most important pieces of information that I could get from this chart. You might think to start at the ascendant, or you might think the sun, or the big three, the sun, the moon, and the rising sign. But Robert's going to surprise us here with another element that can be added to your chart that's going to get your attention. Robert, what is this surprise position that you have for us? It's the part of fortune. Did you say wheel? Did you say wheel of fortune? Heart of fortune. This has nothing to do with Vanna White. Heart of fortune. (laughs) Part, though the part of fortune. All right. In Latin, it's pars fortuna. Ah, well, you explain. Well, the part of fortune is one of the ancient, ancient Arabic parts of which there are at least sixty and probably twice that. The part of fortune tends to be the only one, the only one of the Arabic parts that are really used by contemporary astrologers, although I've tried some other ones. But this one I I really appreciate because it's unique in the horoscope. First of all, here's what the part of fortune does is to synthesize the ascendant, the sun, and the moon. And as we know, the ascendant changes one degree every four minutes of birth time. So to have a really accurate part of fortune, you need to rectify the chart so that you as the astrologer feel comfortable with this birth time and with this chart. And there are ways to do that, which we've talked about. But once you have that, then the my computer does this automatically there are two formulas for computing the part of fortune one is based on day births and another is based on night births though that's the ancient method today uh most and unless you change the default i think you have a, an option on most astrology programs to use the um I don't know what they call it, the original method or the classical method versus the contemporary method, uh, which is the contemporary methods, the same for, for day or night births. But anyway, the, the thing that, that makes this point so powerful is that is the only point in the entire horoscope that synthesizes both of the lights, the sun and the moon, and the most personal point in the horoscope, the ascendant. So you've got suddenly a synthesis of your ascendant and its sign and its planetary ruler, the sun and its sign and its planetary ruler, and the moon and its sign, all synthesized in one. So traditionally, the old astrologers equate this with the part of fortune with success, and it it does equate with success. That doesn't necessarily mean you'll be a, a billionaire. What it does mean, though, is if you consciously study your part of fortune by its sign and house position and its aspects to other planets, you are looking at um, a sort of summary of who you are, the sun, the moon, and the ascendant. Those are the most individual points. You know, the moon moves faster than any of the other planets. We know the moon isn't a planet, but that's what we call the sun and the moon in astrology. So the moon is the fastest moving archetype there, but the ascendant moves even faster. 
so that you're synthesizing those very personal points. And then the sun is particular to the day you were born. Uh, so it really becomes a wonderful way to try. And, and uh, for example, I have my part of fortune in my sixth house in the sign of cancer. Uh, so my synthesis is in my work and my occupation, very classical cookbook astrology, part of fortune in the sixth house. It's true. I have always loved my work and I have always identified with it. And I started working young because I wanted to. I got my social security card at age 12 so I could have a newspaper route. Big deal. But that's the uh, the major point about the part of fortune. And then you can, uh, of course, advance it by solar arcs, if you wish, or converse solar arcs. And you can also follow transits over it, which are really important. So if you have uh, Jupiter going over your part of fortune, watch, see what happens in your life, because it is expansive, it is growth producing, and it affects your whole life, because that point synthesizes your sun, moon, and you have Saturn going over that constant. You're going to have to work hard. You may have to face some some heavy responsibilities. You may have to grow up, uh, all of the Saturnian things. But the, the gift of Saturn is that what you work for, you will get. And what you get under Saturn as a result of your work can never be taken away from you. And it's true in my life. I've basically all my life been self-employed, which I really much prefer, uh, which is, is consistent with where my part of fortune is, too. And then the second house, that, that the six house rules where I have it is, of course, health, psychological health, as well as physiological. So one of the, for example, with the six house where I, I'm just using myself, here's a quick illustration. Uh, the sixth house, I think of as the house of psychological and physiological self-integration or lack of self-integration, which lack of self-integration is dis-ease. So that's what that word means. There's, If you have dis-ease, obviously there's some stress, some kind of conflict going on in the body, but this can be going on psychologically as well. So with the part of fortune in my sixth house, I have always been not only conscious of my own health, uh, not that I've paid much attention to it until, because I've been blessed with very good health, I still am in perfect health at 77, I can't believe grateful for this, but I've also spent a lot of time studying and getting involved with psychology in a men's group, a men's psychology group, to work on some of my own stuff. So there is a, an indication of how I've approached that sixth house part of fortune by realizing, okay, if I pay attention to this house and this sign, I can synthesize myself in a whole W-H-O-L-E way. And that's exactly what's happened. Of course, astrology is my tool to help get there. All right. I want to ask you a couple of questions on this. First of all, because this is an old, ancient Hellenistic technique, and my understanding was that it was developed under the whole sign system, should we use whole sign for identifying the house that it's in? You can use any house system you like. 
Okay. I, pers- I personally don't care. I though personally, then the reason I say this is because I, I tried every house system that I knew about back when I, I started out in Placidus, like everybody does, most people do. And then I tried Regimontanus, and then I tried Campanus, and then I tried Marinus, and on and on and on. Uh, and when I met Linda Goodman uh, in the late, whatever it was, 60s, I guess, she used equal houses. Well, I thought, let me try that. And lo and behold, um, because it changed the placement of my moon by house, uh, which turned out to be quite accurate. We've talked about this, I think, in previous podcasts. But with, um, with equal houses, you don't have interceptions, for example. Uh, and I do find, and I know old sign will place the ascendant as a, a point. I just find it far more immediately graspable to me to use equal houses and place the ascending degree on every house subsequent to the first house just around the zodiac. Same degree, different signs, so that I have an equal house chart. If I didn't use equal house, I would probably use Coke. But um, you can use whole sign. You can use any house system you like. I just don't get as much out of whole sign as I do with equal houses. That's why I use it. Let me give you the example of what spawned that question. And that is that in whole sign, the part of fortune in my own chart ends up in cancer in the second house. I'm a Gemini rising, but I'm a very late degree Gemini rising. So when I shift over to the equal house system, that 27 degree ascendant goes almost all the way up through the sign. And that part of fortune moves into the first house, two completely different meanings, two different applications. But when I was young, I encountered something that was very relevant to the second and eighth houses that was definitely karmic, that I can definitely see that part of fortune magnified or amplified through that second house, not so much the first house. That's certainly possible, which is why I I say to use both and see what you like. Almost any significant event in our lives, Thomas, will show up in more than one place. And and one of my mantras, really, and I tell students, I like to see things three ways before I say it. So a second, eighth event, according to that part of fortune, could also be triggered by transits, as well as a first house part of fortune can also be triggered by transits. It's exactly like rectifying the chart. Moving the midheaven back and forth to form aspects is not going to give you every major event in your life. It won't. Those things can show up in different ways through transits and solar arcs and so on. But moving the midheaven should give you, and I like to use events before age 30 if I can, moving that midheaven back and forth will correspond to definite events at the those ages or near those ages, if you have to rectify a little bit, uh, enough times. I basically, if I get a yes answer to three questions, moving that midheaven back and forth to rectify the chart, I'm happy. And then what I do is take that midheaven. If I've had to rectify it, I use the, the rectified midheaven and move it up to their present age, and find an event around this age that I'm now talking with them, and ask them about that, and it should be right as well. You see, so back to your part of fortune question, again, if you, re- if you prefer equal houses, then use them. 
uh, I, I really prefer just the, the, the graphic mandala of the horoscope if it's done in equal houses. And as I, it's basically experiential. I've tried them all, and this is the one that for me gives the, most, the best results. That technique, by the way, that Robert is referring to was our third podcast episode. It was released on May 13th, 2022. So if you're not familiar with what he was talking about, you could go back and listen to that episode and you'll get the whole lay of the land of that rectification technique. Now, we both have cancer, part of fortunes. So can you drill down a little bit on on the sign aspect of the synthesis? Yes, I can go back to my chart um, simply because I do have the the part of fortune in cancer. I also have Saturn in cancer exactly on my descendant, about six degrees away from my part of fortune. So Saturn in cancer already warns me to pay attention to all of the cancerian traits, namely compassion and empathy and caring. Uh, and my, that Saturn is in a grand cross in my chart. So that's an area of, of karma, of family and um, marriages and children, all of the Cancerian qualities that I came into this life with, quote unquote, bad karma, let's say. In other words, those qualities are weak in me. And boy, do I see it because the way that the parents that I was raised, and they were wonderful parents, loving parents in many, many ways, but they were not nurturing in, in that way. And they were, I was a full moon baby, which automatically shows conflict between the parents or separation between the parents around the time of the birth. Uh, and indeed, my parents were. My dad was uh, going down on a ship in the English Channel in World War II. I didn't meet my father for six to nine, I forget, six months, nine months. Uh, and ultimately, they did divorce. So with my situation, that part of fortune, which squares my moon and so on, I've had to consciously get in touch with the fact that, Bob, you can be really distant and cold and walled off to other people with that Saturn, you've got to pay attention to these Cancerian qualities because you're not nurturing yourself either. You never were taught how to do that. You never were shown how to do that. Maybe some of that's karma, but it doesn't have to be. It can be from this life. I was trained and raised to do what my parents wanted me to do, like many of us are. And of course, by the time I was nine or 10, I realized I didn't have much in common with any of these people or this region of the country where I was born. Uh, so from very early on, I intuitively recognized I was going to have to take care of myself and it was going to be near my parents or near the region of the country I was born because I didn't like it. So at age 13, we happened to be on a vacation in California for the second year in a row. And I announced to them at 13, this is where I'm going to live when I grow up. And at age 20, I left and went to Los Angeles. And the day I landed, I remember thinking, thank God, now I can raise myself. Well, that's a part of that Cancerian archetype is finding the capacity to nurture yourself and find security in yourself as opposed to looking for it somewhere else. So the part of fortune by house then and sign, if you develop the, the sign qualities and then look at the house that it is in, because it is through those house matters 
either directly or indirectly, that you will again achieve fulfillment. Mine happens to be in my sixth house, which is work. And as I mentioned, I've, I started working very early on my, my own decision. I didn't have to work, but I got my social security card at age 12. And I've worked, I love to work and I've always followed my bliss which again is the nurturing part of cancer. So I have absolutely done what I wanted to do with my life. I loved my show business career. I started out as an actor and instantly astrology found me and it just became an obsession. And before I knew it, I was doing readings. Somebody in an acting workshop in Los Angeles told me, uh, I'll pay you $50 if you'll read my chart. And in those days, that was, I don't know, $300 or something. Uh, so astrology took over. Suddenly now I'm publishing 250,000 words a year for American Astrology Magazine for many years, all six house. And then I wanted to become a television writer. And I did through astrology again. But every single step of the way was following my bliss through my work. My bliss is my fifth house. Money through bliss is the second from the fifth. And that's the sixth house. And there's my part of fortune. Follow your bliss, Bob. Take care of yourself. Do what you love to do. Nurture other people as well as yourself. And you're going to be fine. And you'll be healthy. And I am. Wow. That's living your chart. That is awesome. Thank you for that. What a great picture. And we will in the future here, maybe a month or two down the road, we'll come back with another series on this so that you can hear his interpretation of your sign and house combination. Robert, thank you very much for this. Robert is booking readings. They are being booked out into the future now, but you can get on his list and get something set up. If you would like to do that, you can contact him on his website. It's rglasscock, then the number four, site, S-I-G-H-T dot com. That link is also in the show notes, but you can reach out to him there through the Me tab on his website and get an email contact. Thank you so much for listening. Hope that this really makes a difference for you, getting acquainted and aware of your own part of fortune. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.